you know that music. Come join in and listen to the only Blade Runner podcast in existence. From in-depth discussions about characters to interviews with actors and filmmakers involved in the process, Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast, covers a multitude of topics spanning both Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to The Gathering Songs, The Dark Crystal Discussions. The story runs deeper than you know, and you are part of it. And what are those funny marks? This is all writing. What's writing? Words that stay. When single shines the triple sun. Of your sunder and thunder shall behold the two made one. And here's your host, Philip Mitchell. Hello and welcome to The Gathering Songs. This is your Dark Crystal sort of roundtable discussion show on all things to Dark Crystal. I'm your host, uh, Philip Mitchell. I just want to say thank you for uh, joining on the show. Um, as we've finally um, done some, I mean... Because in previous episodes, there's sort of been episodes that have already been released uh, from the Trial by Stone uh, shows. So now we are up to the discussion on Song of the Dark Crystal, which is a follow-up uh, to J.M. Lee's uh, previous um, previous story, uh, Shadows of the Dark Crystal. And and on this episode, we're going to break down chapters 1 to 7 of, of the book, of the Songs of the Dark Crystal, and to help me to break it all down, we brought um, a couple of uh, guests on the show, which I want to thank everyone uh, for being on the show. And um, and so um, we'll, we'll go we'll go through everyone, and and what we'll do is um, I'll ask you know each guest about how or how you got into the Dark Crystal. So I'll start with my um, one of our many co-guests, uh, Albert Chesser. and he is from oh, Inter. Hey, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. <laughs> and uh, you're from. Um, uh, interactive artistry which is uh you know one of the many podcasts uh that you uh that you do and you sort of yes. have a network of um shows um so that's right that's right i just want to show all the love to phil right now because he is um very much like with interactive artistry when when it all got started um i had a couple of sort of touchstones sort of like a pantheon of touchstones so to speak and i like don't engage in like uh, like overblown smoke blowing or like hyperbole or anything and i honestly like phil is right there in my inspirations with just like you know bonfire side chat you know uh the um the podcast beyond and all these things but definitely on on the on the sort of spectrum of podcasts that like um, have this uh, level of, I was just actually reading through the Facebook group, like the way that you've set up your presentation and everything was very much a touchstone for what we do at Interactive Artistry. But um, but yeah, so yeah, um, Fumito Uedo podcast, which is, you know, Eco, Shadow of the Colossus, Last Guardian, um, Dark, uh, sorry, um, Death Stranding podcast, which is the new Hideo Kojima game, um, God of War podcast, um, the new uh, Sony Santa Monica game, um, and uh, we're also doing The Shadow Dome, um, which is the Pacific Rim, and then the main show, which um, uh, Phil was recently on, and you killed it, man. I uh, really enjoyed having you on the show there. Awesome. And Thank um, you. and so for sure, for sure. And um, I'll if when you throw it back to me, because I want to keep going around and not just sort of just like take over, but anything like that. But um, uh, I'll tell you a bit more about what interactive artistry is all about. So I'll just throw it to the next person. <laughs> 
All right, and so our next guest um, is Nancy Gray. Uh, Nancy has appeared in many of our roundtable episodes. Now that we have this under this new name, so you probably have heard her in previous episodes of The Gathering Songs. Uh, Nancy is the author of the Blood Rain trilogy and uh, and and wrote um, a Chosen that was sort of a finalist entry that was part of the Dark Crystal Author Quest contest, um, which was a first sort of contest for the darkcrystal.com website with that. So I just want to say, Nancy, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, thanks for having me back. <laughs> Nancy's awesome. Just going to say that on the, on the air. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. That's very nice of you. <laughs> Go for it. Um, I've just always loved this movie as a kid, and so anything Dark, Dark Crystal and Jim Henson, basically. So, you know, I'm just very glad to be here, and thank you very much. Uh, thank you, uh, Nancy. And so, and our last uh, guest is uh, Dominic Nardi. Got a website, I think, of you know, Nardi Views, uh, which I'll post the, the link to that on the show notes. And I think you uh, appeared uh, on some several podcasts. Uh, I think one of which is uh, Trek Companion. So, just want to say, Dominic, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Um, yeah, I've, I've done a few podcasts. Trek Companion. Um, also involved with the Mid- Midgard Academy, which is. Um, uh, just a great online, uh, really an online university now to study speculative fiction, including science fiction and fantasy. Um, so that's something to check out as well. By day, I'm a political scientist. So that means I, um, I study beings that are, um, are, that resemble the Skeksis in many ways. Um, <laughs> we, can, we, can, we, can talk about, we can talk about some of the, the uh, political comparisons later. I got into the Dark Crystal at the ripe young age of 25 years old, um, I, so I came to the movie pretty late in my life. And I've always, I'd always been a Muppets fan. I'd always been a Henson fan, but I didn't really discover it until late. But I think what really struck me about it is it's one of the few movies I've seen in my adult life that just wowed me with special effects. I think we've, we're in an age now, especially with uh, CGI, where just, it's hard to be impressed by special effects anymore. We, you, you, with a computer, you can just throw so many aliens and creatures onto a screen. It does, it it loses its its sense of magic. And Dark Crystal, yeah. just the puppetry, yeah. the way it looked, really achieved that in a way that I think still resonates today. And that's one of the reasons I fell in love with the movie. Hmm. Agreed, man. Definitely. Um, yeah, Phil, because um, you know, obviously we're going to dive into song, um, song of the Dark Crystal on this episode, um, but like I had to kind of get a little bit, uh, a little bit, little bit of it out of my system in the pre-show because like meeting these two, I I know that for each of them I could speak with them about Dark Crystal for like four hours each. <laughs> so so maybe uh, that'll that'll be something cool down the line. But um, but no, I completely agree, uh, Dominic. Yeah. Um, so w- w- however we weave in sort of sharing our own because i want to hear everyone's dark crystal story as well um i'm looking forward to that but uh, I, I phil you like have sh- like i already had this abiding love for dark crystal all throughout my interactions with you everything we've been doing recently with like the latest episode it's just diving into specifically jm lee like i could not have hoped for anyone better to bring like he's a like you said staff writer on age of resistance as soon as I cracked open Song of the Dark Crystal, I saw the opening shot of the first episode, like of Age of Resistance. Like he he writes so cinematically. I saw um, cinematography when I yeah he just he's such a vibrant writer and um, 
I just like whether or not like obviously it, obviously there's you know the timeline to consider so this direct story perhaps perhaps not but just the the notion of starting the first episode in media res you know like in the middle of like oh they're running away they're in the woods kind of thing and and seeing that it would just immediately engross and uh, and immerse the viewers so like jm and you've spoken to the guy you lucky duck yeah. <laughs> well i mean he, he he was actually the very first guest on the uh the, the very yeah. first episode of trial mm-hmm. by stone and that's how so with, what a legend. yeah i mean that with the podcast that's sort of how um it all went down like you know when i was thinking about having guests on on the show and 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 this was around a time where they recently announced him uh, as the winner of the the Dark Crystal with the author quest and getting the chance to write Shadows of the Dark Crystal. And so I thought I had to mm. try and you know see if I can uh, get in contact with him and and have him on the show somehow. And uh, yeah, it all worked yeah. out really really great. And uh, I mean, since then, yeah, he's definitely appeared on the show a couple of times. Um, you know, to chat about with uh, Shadows and Song of the Dark Crystal. And, um, and, and and as well as appeared sort of in the early episodes of our round table shows with uh, Creation Myths, which was, um, yeah, very, very cool. So, um, mm. yeah, he really embodies the whole um, aspect, which I think defines and separates and in, in, in many ways makes Dark Crystal uh, compared to other mythologies and other sort of properties, so to speak. One that is sort of founded in and just completely like defined by this connection with its community with um that's how it survived and in in more than just pure um reputation because again unto itself the 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 film the universe the themes are timeless they stand on their own but it is really through even more so than star wars like dark crystal has had to in a way like in that sort of underdog kind of way fight to sort of stay as what it is and to grow to this point so the vindication of age of resistance of these of this universe like you can feel like you can feel the passion on every page and every um and sort of in in every endeavor within this sphere within this um uh, yeah the world of thra and, and and everything and um i've said this previously i said it on the episode um figured i'd say it on the show itself which um again as i mentioned at the top of the show um was a huge part of like uh recognizing okay well i i um i see what phil's doing i resonate with this guy he's kindred to me i can um and it formed a part of that uh, sort of pool of inspiration for starting interactive artistry so to say it visit actually on the show itself like phil is uh, and this um, you know trial by stone a huge part of uh, it's like um on the forefront of of the podcasting side of uh, this community galvanizing coming together into these yeah gathering songs so to speak and 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 all the other programs you 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 um you you have Phil for sure. Uh, thank you so much, Albert. Uh, yeah, yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, mm. but yeah, it's just mm. something you know that you know I've been doing for you know a bit with the podcast, and then mm. when the whole age of resistance sort of came out of nowhere and. Um, I just knew it was just sort of had to expand these uh, shows a lot more. Um, hence why, um, you know, I decided to sort of have the Gathering Songs to be its its own podcast um, yeah. in, in a way. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and so I guess for any listeners that wanted to listen to um, with the previous episodes of the Roundtable shows, we've, we've shown us a Dark Crystal, um, that would be uh, episodes 10 to 14 um, that we did those episodes of Shadows of the Dark Crystal and um, yeah, I, I think we might just uh, get into um, uh, Song of yes. the Dark Crystal very shortly. But before we do so, um, I will uh, do a recap of uh, what happened in Shadows of the Dark Crystal. Um, just just in case you know, if you if you're new to the show and uh, you know, and and maybe you're going into Song for the first time, which I mean, I suggest you you know definitely check out Shadows of the Dark Crystal before sort of. 
um, listening to our conversations with Song of the Dark Crystal. But, you know, if not, you know, it's, it's all good. But for those um, that haven't listened to our roundtable um, show for, for a while, they'll just sort of you know, do a quick recap of what happened. And most of the notes was actually thanks to actually to the, um, the author who um, there was there was a chapter which we'll get into that sort of did a bit of a recap with Shadows of the Dark Crystal. So, I'll, yeah, so I'll, I'll go ahead. So, so basically what happened in Shadows of the Dark Crystal, deep within the remote swamplands of Solg, a young gelfling woman named Naya encounters a mysterious silver-haired traveller, whose name's Tavra, who brings life-altering news from the old Mordra. No longer bound to remain in her small village, Naya embarks on a journey to the Castle of the Crystal, the home of the Skeksis overlords who have accused her twin brother of treason. Unwilling to accept these accusations, Naya hopes to learn the truth about her brother. Naya met with Kylan, north of Sog, when she passed through the Spriton Plains and Kylan joined with her on the journey to Horar, uh, to, to Horar which was to tell the news about uh, what the Skeksis are up to. So that was the original plan for her to go there and then she eventually sort of uh, detoured her way to um, the Castle of the Crystal. Uh, the lands were filling with darkness. Uh, they saw the, the creatures darkened, mad with a sickness from looking into the earth. Um, even the trees in the dark wood were ill. Uh, so that was a moment where um, she was in the forest and she was kind of stuck there for a good uh, part of the book. Um, eventually got out, of course. Um, so Kylan stood watch while Naya dream fasted with the cradle tree. Um, again, this is the cradle tree in the, the dark wood. Uh, trying to calm its madness. Naya helps heal the tree, uh, but it hadn't soothed the darkness. Uh, they, those shadows had been born somewhere else. In the end, they went to the Castle of the Crystal. They learned that the Skeksy Lords had betrayed the Gelflings. They saw Tavra got drained of her essence from the Dark Crystal uh, at the scientist's lab. Uh, that the crystal was the source of darkness and the Skeksis were responsible for all this. Uh, she, uh, when Naya, she finds that her brother was locked up, so she helps Gurjan out. Tavra is killed by the Skeksis, and Naya and Gurjan attempt to escape. Kylan was at the moat to help them out, initially left the journey. Gurjan couldn't go on and dream faster with Naya for his story. Naya and Kylan escape with Gurjan captured by the Skeksis once again. And so, yeah, and that's sort of the, the recap of the story from uh, Shadows of the Dark uh, Crystal. So, um, just, yeah, yeah. So, I thought I'd, you know, mention all nice. those things and, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I need to throw this to Dom because he said he finished it and I'm very clear, I'm very keen to hear his thoughts. About Shadows of the Dark, of the Dark Crystal? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you just, when you said, like, sure. you finished it, read it with such conviction, I just want to, like, yeah, totally open you up to that, man. Sure. So, um, I think when I first heard about the book project, I was a bit worried in that, um, you know, we're living in an age of prequels, requels, remakes, sequels, and uh, the explosion of franchise material. And especially with prequels, I've always felt that, you know, a lot of franchises have trouble doing prequels because on the one hand, you know the outcome of the story. Um, so it's hard to build suspense. So to build that suspense, um, a lot of prequels try to interject uh, a sense of false suspense by introducing really crazy or different situations. They don't quite seem to line up with the original movie or the original book. Um, and I think the Star Wars prequels are probably the best example of this, where they're just, you know, doesn't, it doesn't 
Yeah. You can kind of see the stitches between the original trilogy and the prequels. Um, and they're, they're just, you know, they're just, I feel like there are a lot of other examples too of where, you know, just there's kind of a reluctance to take the idea of a prequel at face value, which is to tell a story set before that original story and to explore what the characters in the world were like at that time. And I actually thought Shadows of the Dark Crystal did a really good job of that. I felt like I, I completely believed that this could be a story set some, I, I, I forget the exact time timeline, if there is one, but you know, some several hundred years before the movie. I, I, I completely believed it. It felt like it was part of the same world. Um, but at the same time, I also understood why this was a story that had to be told. And this is another problem with a lot of tie-in fiction today. Like, I've, I've read some of the newer Star Wars books, and it's like, you know, sometimes they feel like ancillary material, you know, like you have little bits of character story that aren't really important to the broader scheme of things. But Shadows actually feel, this actually feels like an important story that, that deserves to be told. I mean, um, this is about the, the, Gelfling, the Gelflings discovering the truth behind what's going on at the Skeksis, so, and it, and it, so it, and it all fits. Which, by the way, is is like is like so dramatically like masterfully told by J.M. Lee. Like again, as you were saying, Dom, I just want to build on what you're saying because, you know, that as you mentioned, you know, the Star Wars prequels, like dramatic tension lost because of the virtue that I look at this boy, I know he's going to become Darth Vader. There's there's an automatic inherent reduction in tension there because I know that that that's character's fate. One thing that's sort of intrinsic to this to the Dark Crystal universe is the idea of circularity of cycles um, and of like you know the um, you know. With, with things occurring again you know and and with this very much with, with in the central kind of theme of, of of the mythos and the universe is this um this notion of rise and fall light and dark and so what that means is, is if you do what jm led um jm lee did which is sort of um hue to that um um ex except outside obviously outside of the sort of the main uh the, the timeline of the films and such when you sort of um hold to that in this uh in this era um and you basically do what i feel like the film did quite beautifully which is um create create this sense that um create this sense that like uh things like the stakes are all like darkness is eternal light is eternal the stakes are eternal right so it feels it feel it doesn't feel like um oh we're just petering off and we're telling a minor story before the real stuff happens in the real film i felt equally engrossed by this as i did by the film because he approached it that way and i, I said this at the top of the show he he rises to writing about this material in a way that no like it's almost insulting to call it ancillary it feels so primary it feels so uh, he feels so present in, in the middle of the story um, and and like that as a credit to the man for basically having me immediately feel enraptured and invested in his characters um, like forgetting at all that it's like a quote-unquote side story it just feels so intrinsic and woven into like you said no seams I don't see the seams Dom mm -hmm. yeah and also it, it just just in creating characters like Naya, Kylan, uh, Skekmel we don't know the fates of these characters yes we know the fate of the overall Gelfling race but there, I, I'm still invested in, in seeing how, how Naya and Kylan develop. You know, they, there is room for growth for these characters, even though we know what happens in the far future of the race. And, or or, or do, they, do, do, they, do they defeat Skekmel? Because Skekmel isn't in the movie, so there's a chance that they win. So the, again, there's, 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 suspense, there's suspense, there's tension um, in the story, which works really well.
I really like what he did with the settings and the clans and how they interact together and things of that nature. Because even though we, those that have seen the movie and followed it, you know, kind of knew already a little about the universe, there wasn't a whole lot. And the fact that he was able to build off of that and actually do something that was original, but at the same time kept the feel of the movie, I think was Mm. uh, exceptional. Yeah, um, and one of the things with like when I was reading about as as I, I never I haven't actually um dove, dove into it yet, but you know there's recaps out there and everything. So with um like these as I mentioned like um uh, and as Don was saying, you know these characters like they feel like you're you're you immediately feel uh, like learning more about them, right? And I felt that at the top. I'm actually quite glad actually that I read chat um that I read Song first because I'll never like you know how we we were each marked like it was it was each a defining time it was a defining moment for each of us when we first saw dark crystal right um the intro with like yeah yeah and and i felt like and i'm not smoke blowing or anything like i just i not it doesn't serve anyone to do that so when i like opened up this book and i read this and i read like that intro like there was i'm sorry but like female empowerment right right off the bat there was uh, uh, the sort of tacit understanding that this world is beyond imagination like a flying eel shooting out from someone's hair like okay like this is incredible and it is one of the true like as yet untapped beautiful um and beautifully like vastly and broadly imaginative universes out there which i feel leaves things like and i love jim cameron he's doing great but he it's kind of it kind of leaves a lot of what avatar does in the dust personally again come at me i don't mind <laughs> feel free, free feel free to at me but um because you know you look at avatar you look at the um "Quote unquote dream fasting through the, uh, um, uh, through the, uh, um, yeah, those sort of like pony braid things or whatever that they have, you know, the the, and then you look look at things like Pacific Rim with the the drift, you know, these sharing at this mind melding. Um, okay, let's just check our watches, 1980s, like like it was it did that you know i'm sure it, there's a precedent in mythology for like mind melding obviously star trek all that stuff in the 60s but when we think of it in the context of a fantasy world like it, it's like it, it it was um it, it was really on the forefront of that you know um and i feel like it's for me just defining like to be fasted by through dreams you know uh, and and just and then it, look when i when i read about like the character like she she's wounded like she's like oh i need to look after myself i i, I don't know if i can dream fast if i'm not healed myself you know again immediate investment like I like and I I rarely do that like I'm I'm pretty jaded I'm like tattooed ex army all that stuff so I, things don't really get like break through that shell very often for me even though I try to stay kind of like um you know open to new stories and stuff um uh, but like effortlessly jm lee did this with this book um and i just felt again like i just put on the first episode of a series and i was like what are these how are these how are they going to manage like this you know this uh this creature you know like that's and what is this about it being darkened and this this terminology like that's something that as a world builder and also um i want to get your thoughts on this nancy like as someone like creating terms creating terminology like it's important not to go too crazy with the hard to pronounce craziness and like just just to call something darkened that it's like oh it's not itself anymore it's 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 um and to to know that like poor things like they're just sort of rooting around they're they're like cows like imagine imagine as we saw in the film you know you you behold the crystal you become its thrall you become enthralled to it um and i wanted to get your thoughts nancy like how did you how did you feel like jm jm lee sort of was able to balance um and like get like the introducing new terminology like it all felt like like how do you feel that Uh, sort of did compared to the film yeah i think he did very well with it and 
I'll go ahead and say that is something that is incredibly hard to do in a fantasy universe, (laughs) especially in uh, Dark Crystal, because you're not supposed to actually compare things to real life. You can't say that creature is like a cow. You have to actually kind of describe the creature and then come up with a... um, a name for it that's yeah you know that's simple but yet maybe kind of um describes it like a musky a mm-hmm. musky the eel you would think of something that kind of had a strong scent or something like that and yeah. that would make sense because it's from a swamp so that's right i i feel like he did a lot of really good things with the names he made them simple but there yeah. are, and some things are hints as to what they're kind of like. And like the horner, you know, that creature, you can immediately think of like a rhino or something, just by in lowercase h-o-r-n-e-r, like it's a horner. And it's like, of course, that's like this big beast. I, I can immediately ma- imagine that, you know? Yeah, exactly. He did a really good job with the terminology and things of that nature. I mean, there were certain terms from the movie and things like that that um, were better defined to help with the writers, but at the mm. same time, he came up with most of this terminology and most of the world himself, and it's yeah. really impressive. Absolutely, Phil. What did you? How did you think? Like J. M. Lee did with like again. It's like he just took to this like a duck to water, like you know. And that's what was great about the the fan contest and everything. And it's just for people who. Um, and I say that I, I like the word tacit because it, it implies like just this this um this sense that you well you just know it's like well I've been immersed in this film. I understood the headspace that um, Mr. Henson was in when he made it. This like for example like my definition of coziness. <laughs> I had that redefined for me by this film. I'm going to read you one of the lines and so it says something the windows were warm with half light I mean, come on, like, yeah. <laughs> like uh, for me, like growing up, like, you know, there's those formative experiences for me, Dark Crystal defined like what it meant to just like have your little blanket and it's like raining outside and there's like a fire, is it like a little candle on the windowsill and you're reading a book and like the cozy, like I get so angrily pissed off when the Gotham arrive because they, they mess up like that cozy, amazing atmosphere. Like I want to be at that podling party where nothing goes wrong and we just like ha- have a bunch to drink, have a bunch to eat and then just fall asleep and like no gotham go go away you know <laughs> like um but um yeah he immediately yeah go ahead Phil. yeah i was just gonna say um but yeah like he, his work has been uh, really great and um like i think for me like you know when i was reading shows of the dark crystal it was probably one you know because i mean for, for me with reading books sometimes i do kind of struggle to visualize sort of the scenarios or the characters or scenes or, or moments that sort of thing um but through his work with shadows um of the dark crystal and as well as song um, that I'm able to sort of, you, you know, to, to picture those moments and, um, yeah, it just, and just works well. And I think he's, um, done a, a brilliant job with these, uh, young adult novels. Um, that's something, you know, to keep in mind that these books are sort of written for that, you know, the young adult, essentially, you know, that market. And so, yeah, yeah. So I'm just, you know, it's just really awesome. And, um, and, and that he's still a continuing part of the Dark Crystal with um, being a, a staff writer for Age of Resistance. So I can't wait to see uh, more of his work. And I think um, without further ado, I mean, before we'll get into um, with, with chapter one, um, one of the notes I sort of um, made note is, um, of course, in the second book, it came with a with an updated map of uh, Scarath, which is the land of where, you know, 
the whole sort of world of Dark Crystal is based. And um, and just I'll just point out just some of the little differences that I noted um, between the maps from books one and two, one of which was the Caves of Grot um, that was named in Shadows has been renamed to Domrak. The Grot and Sanctuary and Augur's High Hill is added to, to Song, as well as the the big tree, the Cradle Tree from Shadows of the Dark Crystal called Olyeki Staba is added to Song of the Dark Crystal. You know, I'm just looking forward to, you know, getting these updated maps um, when he uh, keeps making more of these Dark Crystal stories. So I just sort of, you know, make a little mention about that. Do you have the, are you using the electronic copy or the, do you have a physical copy? Uh, I have both. Uh, though when I looked, okay. when, I mean, when I looked at the map, I compared, bet- I compared the, um, the hard covers just because it was just easy to sort of go back okay. and forth and go because... spot the differences and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm reading, I'm re- I have an electronic copy and I don't, there's actually no map in this version. So. Is that, yeah, uh, cause that's... I mean the digital one that, I mean that, because I'm on the iBook version um, that I read. Uh, hmm. Are you okay. on? Yeah. Are you on Same, a yeah. Kindle or? I'm on Kindle. Uh, okay. right, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go compare to Amazon then. Yeah. That's kind of odd, though. You'd think it would be on Kindle too, but yeah, really I, I, I don't have the electronic copy. I just have the physical copy. So. Yeah. Um, Nancy's all about the old school. Yeah. I am. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> an odd writer that way. I like the feel of a book in my hand. Mm-hmm. Never change. Yeah, never change. And I think um, you, like you'll be able to find the the map that should be online um somewhere, whether it's on the Dreamfast and the Dark Crystal Experience. I know that that was probably posted there a, a while ago, um, but it is something I probably will um, uh, re-upload that um as part of the show notes for people that are interested in seeing um you know what the map of Scarath looks like um at the moment. So yeah, and 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 I also like the little tribute that um that James Lee wrote with uh from the Dark Crystal novelization, uh, which is to make a sound is to trouble the roots of silence. Um, ah, like that's a, yeah. so beautiful. I'm sorry, I've become like a, an old Jew, like Jewish slash Greek mother when it comes to things that really really resonate with me. I just like ah, I yeah. just get like <laughs> angrily, loudly, beautifully impressed. Like again, it, hey, and uh, again, I, I can't be understated. Like JM is this like thorough, beautiful, pensive, thoughtful, like imaginative, evocative writer. But what does that say? That he's like, well, you know what? The the truest kind of like the, the truth is silence. You know. Um, and, and, you know, that's why animals across all different kinds of cultures are ascribed this wisdom for being, um, creatures that like, they don't need speech to be able to, to, you know, that's passed, passed through their lives and like learn things from life and everything. So particularly for an author to say that, to say, by the way, like, if you really think about it, even though like words are beautiful and they, they weave these stories, like the first story is the silence of nature, you know? And it's like, oh, you humble mofo. I love you. Ooh, come here. You're big. <laughs> Come here, Jam. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like I said, I, I just a big Greek, like overweight Greek, like mother. That's that's who I become. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like very very proud and happy. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, let me throw it, throw it to the others. Go uh, go for it, guys. <laughs> I think that's kind of a uh, statement too about um, telling the truth in this particular situation, and how much that would impact the peaceful lives of the Gelfling, mm-hmm. because it's um basically making a sound stirring the roots of silence and it's troubling the roots of silence and it's one of those things where it's like people would almost rather not know which is a theme in this book throughout it i've noticed too 
Yeah, I actually, I kind of would even go further with that. I think this, I, I, I think there's one, one way to interpret this quote is to say, um, uh, sometimes silence, silence is associated with wisdom, and sometimes speaking too much is a is a sign of is a, it's a disturbance. It's something that should be discouraged. But I actually think in the context of the story, yeah, I think Nancy hit upon it in that, um, you know, I think people, uh, sometimes silence is a form of complicity or silence is a form of appeasement. And um, sometimes speaking out is difficult. Sometimes it can be very disruptive, but sometimes it's necessary. And as we all, you know, spoiler alert, you know, the Skeksis end up killing most of the Gelflings. You know, there's, there is a very real threat down the line um, that many of, the, many of the Gelflings are not aware of, and even when they are aware of it, they, 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 some, a lot, some of them seem to want to uh, just not acknowledge it or not, not acknowledge the implications of it. Um, so I think it's interesting in that way, too, in that, like, what you know, the, 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 the real heroism of Naya and Kylan is in a lot of ways just acknowledging the threat and deciding that they're going to speak out about it. Yeah, um, it also makes me think of the Uru, like um, one of the things that is actually impressed upon is that that both are extreme. So the Skeksis are the extreme, obviously, of the dark, the greed and all that. But then to a degree, like Stephen mentioned, you know, the rituals have lost meaning. Like they are, you know, they are the opposite. Like the, the, the Skeksis are super loud and like crass and like demanding and all this loudness. The Uru are the, are the complete opposite and neither are seen as terribly useful like they're just stuck in their extreme states with no growth possible and for growth to be that needs to be both you know you need the clash of positive and negative atoms or whatever like that's just always you know creation is through conflict and um you know to break silence is is the conflict often that is needed you know to you know you need the two opposite stones to start a sp um, to spark a fire you need you need that and um, breaking silence literally i mean that's why the term break you know silence is is never it's never easy you know it's never it's silence is always broken it's not like you know it's um and it, it as i just wanted to build on what don was saying there for sure yeah absolutely yeah and so um i think yeah i think we, we'll get in get things started um as we'll go no, through Phil, yeah. can we just talk for uh, another half an i know hour i know we can just <laughs> keep going is that okay <laughs> no <laughs> let's, let's crack on let's crack on <laughs> <laughs> That's right. yeah. and uh, yeah yeah oh no no I, I think it was cool because um because i know like you know you know, with with yourself, Dom and Albert. You know, you're both new to the show, and, and I guess this is a new format. So I think it was good to sort of, you know, um, to get to know one another and sort of, you know, discuss about you know the things before we delve deep into um, with a uh, song of the Dark Crystal. So um, yeah, it's just uh, very, very exciting, and yeah, can't wait. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, and I think we without um, further ado, we'll get into. Um, uh, with the chapters of the Song of the Dark Crystal, um, so so you know, and so what I'll do in each chapter, like I'll sort of recap of what happens in the story, and then we can you know um, chat about certain things, at certain moments that occur, and and whatnot, and um, yeah, go from there. Um, so so in chapter one, uh, Kylan and Naya they encounter Mythra. Uh, and she is a Stonewood girl and is, and we find out that she's uh, Ryan's brother. Um, and, and one of the things I, I liked with Mythra was like pronounced Mythra as in, you know, Mythra, like the homeworld Thra, <laughs> whether um, that was, or, or Mithra, 
or Mithra, um, that, you know, Mithra is sort of a term that's used in a lot of um, uh, fantasy kind of stories, um, which are kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know, if, the, if they were sort of a homage uh, to those things. Yeah, yeah. Naya mentions about her encounter with Skekmal and, um, and, and the escape from Castle, the, the Castle of the Crystal. Um, so they all, they're all going out, looking at, looking for, um, for Ryan, um, though he is being grabbed. Well, we find out that he's, he's being grabbed by green furred beast with world horns, a club tail. So he escapes and fights it. And they do find out that he, you know, that the creature has been darkened much like what happened. I think with shadows of the dark crystal with the rough nor and the Nebri. Um, that Naya was able to heal them both. And so Naya, you know, she manages to get, you know, to be able to dream fast with this green furred, green furred beast to heal it, uh, pushing the darkness uh, from their hearts, which, uh, which I mean, uh, that was one of those things that Colin doesn't like the idea of her dream fasting because Naya isn't fully healed up and all that kind of stuff. Um yeah, I just wanted to make a quick note about, um, so like, again, um, I just, you know, uh, actually, you know, with the first chapter, um, uh, especially with, you know, it, it's, I, I would say that, like, my favorite character is Mithra so far. <laughs> she, she's really great and so trusting. Exactly. Um, and also, I'd like to make the note, so Mithra is um, a, is actually a Zoroastrian angelic divinity of covenant, light, and oath, and her name directly means that which causes binding. So, um, you know, the notion of her being introduced as a sister, the bonds of, you know, siblingry, um, that's immediately evidence there in that, because it was just this refreshing loyalty of, like, instead of being, you know, it's a, it's a sort of fantasy trope to be mistrustful as, like, oh, in the woods, it's like, no, I trust you, I'll take you, <laughs> let's go, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's really great. I actually thought something similar um when i read it i thought it was mithra at first but when you mentioned that it could be my thra mm. um that also could be showing how much his little sister the little sister means to ryan and how she's kind of tying the family together oh, she's my thra. Like, oh, yeah it's beautiful. well it, it is it's almost like saying my world and oh. you name your children after things that are very significant to you and um yeah. so it's almost like they named her my Thra, and it's one of the, she's the one who's tying things together, who's like, okay, Ryan, you know, you need to come to supper, that type of thing, and, mm -hmm. you know, her telling him that, even though the mother was the one who asked, is what probably was what spurred him to actually go. Mm -hmm. So, and I get the feeling she's one of the things that he really wants to protect. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, sorry, I probably just uh, correct myself. Uh, no, I, I know that Naya, uh, she didn't actually um, uh, dream fast uh, with the creature because, um, I mean, because the beast sort of fell unconscious and they sort of uh, were unsure what caused it without harm uh, to the beast. Um, and so, um, and so Mithra, you know, when the beast was unconscious, you know, during this sort of little battle, I guess, of sorts, um, uh, Mithrae goes to heal the creature with moss uh, from the bleeding wound, and, um, and 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 so we're sort of up to this part where uh, Mithrae suggests uh, for Ryan and and Naya to dream fast, um, you know, for Ryan to sort of tell Naya, you know, his story of the events because Naya's at the moment uh, she she has Gurjan's sort of point of view, so it's like the idea of getting Ryan's sort of story and sort of 
um, having both of those stories, I guess, together um, would sort of make sense. I know, and it was interesting, yeah, of course, you know, Kylan, uh, he hesitated because of, um, as it was described, that Naya's heart uh, being broken, uh, that dream fasting would make things worse and also thinks that Naya needs to be fully recovered uh, before she can uh, dream fast, um, which was kind of interesting. But I guess, you know, with her heart being broken is, you know, the potential loss of Gurgen, um, of her twin brother, um, that, yeah, he's worried that, you know, whether it's, you know, gonna to push her limits, um, with dream fasting. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Um, I uh, wanted to say, oh yeah, actually, no, you please go ahead. Um, Nancy. Um, I was just about to say, it makes a lot of sense to me because of the fact that it's such an intimate experience, you know, and she's been, she's a little, she thinks she, at least she's lost her brother and Tavra and all this horrible stuff has just been going on. And it would be very difficult for her to share those images, especially when you find out what the images are with Ryan. And yeah. it's one of those things that I thought it was nice that, um, Colin kind of stepped up and said, you know, you don't need this right now. Let me do it for you. Because in the previous book, Kylan, even though he's, um, you know, her person that she relies on, he seems a lot weaker in the first book than he does in the second. It's like the journey has changed him and he's willing to step up and do these things. Whereas before he probably would have just let her handle it. And he's thinking about her and how it's going to affect her, which I think is uh, pretty awesome too. Yeah, definitely. And I think that like with Kylan, I mean, he does have a big role um, to play in, you know, especially with Song of the Dark Crystal. So, and th- that's probably the thing that I liked about, um, you know, with Song of the Dark Crystal, I like how he's able to sort of step up the plate a bit, uh, which I think one of the um, members of Dreamfasting, I think Ethan, he commented, um, was wondering about sort of, which I think we'll probably get into probably in later discussions about um, the point of view of Kylan uh, throughout Song and, um, what we thought of that um, versus with um, with Shadows of the Dark Crystal uh, being, you know, primarily from Naya's point of view for, for certain. And so, yeah, I mean, Kylan offers to Dreamfast uh, with Ryan instead and um, and sort of, I mean, you know, sort of thought that maybe in due time Naya can eventually Dreamfast with Ryan uh, once, you know, say if she was all healed up just to get that as well. Yeah, I wanted to say JM's description of dream fasting is is beautiful. Um, the idea of it feels like diving into water without knowing the depth, you know, um, and uh, that that there's that trepidation. But and again, by the way, I'm not even reading off the book or anything. It's just directly again when something makes that much of an impact, it sort of burns the words and the way he phrases. He says that when um, it's like it's the fastest way. He just he raises his hand with neither re- with neither reluctance or eagerness. He's like, let's just do this, you know. Yeah. Um, and that that implicit trusting, you know. Again, I just feel like it's the most beautiful described and um uh and realized way of mind because mind melding you know it's you can almost arguably call it like a fantasy trip or whatever i've never heard it described especially with the element of water because that's so tied into like like um psychology like like freudian like describing like on Jungian, like describing you know like the the ocean of the unconscious kind of thing so again it has that application there and a little nomenclature note anaya are a type of female spirit in ancient greece so presiding over fountains wells spring 
springs and streams. So I wow. um, yeah. figured I'd mention that there. And um, again, water is synonymous with healing, you know, cleaning the wound, cleansing the wound. And there's, again, that extra sort of bittersweet poetic thing of like, she's a healer who's broken, a healer who's um, wounded, you know? So um, I just, yeah. It's a really cool point. <laughs> <laughs> I really yeah. like that. Just wanted and to mention, yeah. Hmm. It's got to be difficult because you're diving into someone else's mind. And like I said, the reason I say it's such an intimate experience, you don't, it's one of those things, I don't think they have a whole lot of control. I mean, they see memories and things of that nature, and it makes them closer to the person, kind of um, whether they really wanted that or not. It's like it it does kind of flow almost like a river. It's, It's a flowing thing, and they can't necessarily control which way it goes. That's right, you know, and you have to trust, and that's why um, there's that sense that like the whether whether or not you're ready or not, it's just that's the melding. And again, I tie into. I know it's a bit uh, out of out of um, out of left field sort of co- connection subject matter wise, but in Pacific Rim there is the thing called drifting, which is like you essentially enter each other's minds completely, um, and that's very much the sort of anchor of my fascination with that universe. And to be completely honest, like my anchor very much with as well as enjoying all the beautiful flourish of like the the fantasy world and and like the the, you know the different realms and clans i mean you can't think of something richer than the idea of you know again these it's it's so profoundly even though they're girlfriends so profoundly human you know what they've what they're going through which too many fantasy worlds forget about they forget to to link it back to what's what life really is and like what people actually go through and like death of a brother um you know uh, feeling wounded even though like that's your role like my partner ray she does emotional healing herself like um and she and like and and that's kind of her, her what what she does is like w- like to have to mitigate that like how do i like if that's what i'm defined by you know um and i'm experiencing the, the sheer opposite you know that's it's it, it's sort of the moment again with is this being the second chapter you know they say uh the first one's about setting up the world the second one is the conflict chapter and you can't you can't really put it and, and in fact the book itself starts with conflict you know um so it it all it's all woven so beautifully and again this is something that um yeah all too like too many um like again that's the reason why we haven't haven't heard of these <laughs> those others and why like um, authors like jm lee um um really tap into that timelessness and and these enduring themes that immediately you can immerse yourself into despite all the um sort of fantasy uh, sort of the, the 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 trappings of that and the uh, aesthetics like you can immediately connect on an emotional level yeah absolutely and i i think like um one of the things i liked in this chapter is um it, you know with these um novels that we also get the occasional um uh, illustrations uh from cory godby um so i lot sort of like mm-hmm. seeing um this you know particular illustration you know f- which you know have to imagine is from the dream fasting uh sequence so um and and so you know that we see in the center in the image we see Mira, um, and below is uh, Skekok, and I think um, above is um, uh, the Chamberlain, uh, and then you see sort of the you know, the castle of the crystal in the background, sort of a starry night, you know that sort of um, overlaying mm-hmm. um, the image, um, which I always yeah, enjoy his illustrations, and I know he worked on yeah. the, the, <laughs> I know he worked on the Dark Crystal stories or the Dark Crystal tales, uh, which was like a a young kid's uh, picture book um, kind of story mm. and, and had three sort of storylines that sort of cool. um, interwoven through 
one big story essentially uh, or, or connection mm. i should say um but you know I, I really yeah just really like that image and yeah i like yeah with jm lee the way he describes the dream fasting um yeah it, it's yeah yeah can yeah visualize these things and and all that kind of stuff so so yeah in chapter two in the dream fasting ryan has detailed visions of the castle uh he mentioned about them uh hearing thra's song from the dark crystal and and then the Skeksi sent out orders to all Maldra of each clan, um, the will of Thra being passed on. So I'm sort of referring to some quotes from uh, from the book. And um, and so we sort of find out that Ryan's dream fast um, uh, takes place um, before the dream fasting from shadows that Gurgen uh, shared with Naya. So sort of, you know, we're slowly getting sort of the pieces of the story um uh, with that mm. and so ryan knows um the castle the crystal inside out um except for the center pavilion um which is you know the, the crystal chamber and so uh, i'm just trying to think and again yeah what i mentioned the skexes communed with the heart of thra and write down the songs um that they hear to pass orders to the modra of the seven clans um and ryan seems to have feelings uh for mira um who was one of the 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 other guards of you know because ryan's a guard and so is um mira and so they sort of work together and i know yeah like sort of mentioned how uh, ryan gave her a, a bellflower after each patrol um so kind of that's beautiful yeah yeah and you actually <laughs> see that illustration with um that particular moment with um ryan and mira um as ryan you know showing her the the bellflower um which is kind of cool but then, but then, yeah, we do see uh, Skektek, the scientist, uh, who seems to uh, gotten hold of Mira and takes her to the scientist lab and bound her to the chair and activates the reflect the reflector from the dark crystal to drain her essence. So, so a, so now it's like I can visualize, you know, sort of that moment from the dark crystal, you know, that we get to see with um, you know, with the podling and then a little bit mm-hmm. with Kira in the film, um, and then Ryan just sees it all happening. Um, and, um, and probably the one and, and sort of, you know, looking at through these notes, um, that they mentioned was it, it was impossible to dream fast another dream fasted memories. Mm-hmm. So I thought that mm. was kind of an interesting sort of, you know, mm. uh, the rules of dream fasting, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so, and, and also like, I mean, with this chapter, I mean, you know, it was a bit of a recap from the first book, uh, but I can imagine sort of new readers sort of, you know, reading, you know this for the first time yeah. yeah yeah i felt it it was a pretty good uh recap too because i didn't feel like it was a recap when i was reading it until you pointed that no. out and i'm like yeah it kind of is a recap but it's so seamless it's great it's recap but it also it also sets up uh ryan's character character and um uh, in, in addition i think this chapter it's it's a signal that Jim Jim Lee is not going to shy away from the darker aspects of the Dark Crystal because it's, you know, let's be honest, there are some pretty dark scenes in that movie. Mm. And, um, you know, know, this is marketed as a young adult novel, yet, you know, this scene with Mira is is pretty depressing. Like, it's it's not, you know, like, and Ryan actually sees it. It's not, quote-unquote, off- off screen so um you know i'm not a sociopath i don't like seeing gelfling suffer but mm. you know I, I think it is true to the source material that um you know that the book includes this type of stuff 
Yeah, it's very poignant that he's actually watched someone he loved being murdered when you really think about it. Yeah. I mean, that's extremely dark, and that would explain why he kind of comes across as very aloof and very much um, standoffish because he's lost something that's integral to him. Even if you think about the word, the uh, name Mira, it almost sounds like mirror. I mean, this was part of himself and he just watched yeah. her die. Yeah. JM breaking hearts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's good. He doesn't shy away from that though. In my no, opinion. Very, very good. I, I absolutely agreed with both um, Nancy and Dom on that one. And again, another sign that this is again, when you, you know, it's, Here's what defines like really just like un unpalatable ancillary material is when it's just there to exist as like another thing on a shelf. It's I think of when you're shopping and like you know how they just lay everything out there near the counter so that you'll just buy it. It's like, oh you're here well why don't you buy? So again JM like you don't like the best creators the most worthwhile and enduring creators which I feel as though his books as equally as much as the movie will like go on and be and be cherished for many years to come is that you don't sit down you don't write something unless you want to communicate something that can either connect with someone or lead you to another realization you know and again fantasy is the most ideally suited ironically for like some self-actualization self-actualization stuff because your walls are down you're like oh I'm not reading any kind of like super intense um you know, uh, self-help or psychology books of your walls of, of presumption and, and, and prejudice are down. And so when you re read about these intimate moments and like JM taps into that and he honors that space. And, and when I was reading about like what happened and, and it just like, it just, it just hit me. It's like, who doesn't relate to like, you know, we, we go, we leave our loved ones every day to go to work and we, and, you know, and all that. And it's just like, if, if anything would have happened to them, it's just, and especially with that imagery of the flower and, and the bellflower, it's like, oh, that's, and then suddenly they're gone, you know? And it's just, it was profoundly moving, actually, you know? And, um, yeah, yeah, it, it was such a little great, um, yeah, moment. And, um, yeah, and, and like, yeah, we've, we've you know, sort of recapping and sort of like, it was sort of a good reminder of, you know, for people that are sort of new to the book or haven't read the first book for a while, that it's sort of, um, sort of helped, readers sort of get up to scratch um i like the little funny moment i think towards the end when naya and ryan they fight over of who should be the one that teaches skeksis what gurjan's sacrifice means <laughs> and, yeah. I'm just, and, and i'm just like well how about together then you know <laughs> um mm -hmm. yeah which i mean we'll get into that i think yeah later on and so i think mithra uh mentions about um you know her mobile wants everyone to, to come back home uh for supper um, invite, you know, Naya and Kylan, you know, as a sort of a thank you for believing in Ryan's story. And so, yeah, I mean, at the end of chapter two, um, they, they sort of head off to that. And so I guess we'll get into chapter three, which, I mean, we sort of get some exposition from Kylan on what they should do. And they, you know, they know they have this big secret about the Skeksis and what do we do? And so, you know, Kylan has only heard about the other clans through song. That was the other thing that, you know, both Kylan and Naya, they're sort of similar that they've never really gone, you know, far away in visiting, you know, the other clans and whatnot. So for them, this is sort of their big sort of, yeah, really their big journey together, you know, going far and wide to... The journey? Yeah. Of the Kylan. journey. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, the journey of because <laughs> yeah, you know journey of Jen yeah. and all that. Exactly, uh, yes, the yeah, 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 to go to, and then, yeah, yeah, and yeah, of yeah. course, you know, the whole mission is to go to the old Madro 
and so and I think, you know, with the conversations that Kylan suggests for Ryan to speak to his Mordra, Mordra Farah, uh, Ryan doesn't want to because he feels telling everyone that has happened has made things worse um, as that's what he did long ago. You know, he tried to convince people and no one believed in his story. Um, even with the, um, the essence of uh, Mira is sort of evidence that he sort of has that sort of no one still believes in his, um, uh, his story. And then he, I think he mentions that he was going to leave or thinking about leaving um, in a couple of days, I think to go to hurrah and, and again mentions that, yeah, he'll see, see his mother tonight Naya thanks Kylan for dream fasting in her place. And of course, you know, at this point in time, you know, Naya does give Kylan an, an option to leave um, to say, you know, you, you know, you've done, you've done a lot, but then he declines. He, 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 he wants to continue on with the journey ahead of them. Um, but also I sort of thought about, so Naya gives, you know, Kylan an option to leave. And if he actually did leave, and I'm like, wait, what about that dream fasting? You know, <laughs> with like <laughs> Kylan and I would would have to it, it like they would both have to dream fast. It's like oh, just give me those deets. <laughs> um, which yeah, I just sort of thought about that mm. just just now. Uh, and, and so they find the center top of the village uh, where stories of um, Zhao Jin are etched, and tells Kylan that he should go there to check it out. Um, so they have all day to to check that out. Uh, which they go to, and of course, Jara Jen was sort of one of the characters that was introduced through the Dark Crystal creation myths. Um, there was one story that was centered on on Jara Jen, uh, which was uh, yeah, pretty cool. The the lightning horn. Uh, I was, sort of went blank of what that story was called, but I definitely remember. I think it was in Volume One um, of Creation Myths for all the listeners to check that out. Yeah. Um, I don't want to interrupt, but um. That was the story of Geyer, yes, when he was um, up there looking at the um, stories of um, previous things. Or am I ahead of myself? I'm sorry. I hope not. Well, one of these things we get is Kylan's lack of uh, confidence in, the, in everything he does. And I think it's awesome that she says, you know, let's just go look at this thing that was why you wanted to come to this village in the first place. And it shows how their relationship is kind of evolving from the first book. Cause in the first book, it was like they were just getting to know each other. They didn't know much about each other. And now she offered him a chance to actually do what he wanted, which he wanted to be in stone in the wood. He wanted to, you know, see where Jara Jin was from and all these interesting um, stories. And, I think it's great because it develops him in a character and the fact that he's like, well, this is what I wanted to do, but there's something more important now. And, and so, yeah, like in chapter four, um, yeah, Kylan and Aya, they discover the birth song of stone or in the wood. And, um, yeah. And also, as you mentioned, yeah, discover the story about Gaia, the song teller. Um, so again, that was sort of, um, uh, yeah, a good crossover with creation myths and, um, mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to think uh, what else with chapter this, four. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. This is foreshadowing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, uh, <laughs> I didn't uh, want to bring this up too soon because this isn't for this podcast, but the story mm. of Geyer and the creation myths, if anyone has the creation myths, you should check this out, mm. is foreshadowing to something happen that happens later with the tree. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah so... so <laughs> That's your sizzle, um, yeah. <laughs> and I really love the story of Geyer because I have this 
since I wrote about uh, the Sifa clan and Geyer is a character from the Sifa clan and is an adventurer who goes across the high seas and things like that. I really enjoyed that particular story and the creation myths, but I thought it was kind of neat that he had a shout out to the creation myths in general and that this kind of thing, when he reads the story, particularly of Geyer, that's significant in later chapters. Mm. But we'll we'll get to that when we get to the tree. But anyway, I, I just wanted to point that out because I thought that was very cool. <laughs> and I like I like too how um, sometimes these stories about Gear and Jarajen are referenced as stories or myths, and the characters themselves don't really know if they're true, if they are just myths, or if they've or if they actually occurred. And it's kind of interesting because I, I read Creation Myths years ago. Um, and I think there's a tendency, um, as, as a reader, an external reader of this, of this material to, to, to treat it as objective fact for the world. So when I read Creation Myths, I, I read it as, this is a story about the world. This, this story took place in the world of Thra, and I didn't doubt that. But now seeing these characters wondering, well, was Jar Jen real? Did he really do all this stuff? Did, did Gear... Do all, and it's just it's an, it's an interesting perspective, and it's, it's it makes me wonder how you know should we take creation myths literally, or is that more like a mythology, like the way we would have Greek and Roman myths, like Perseus and Theseus? We we've talked about that in this show a lot too. I feel like a lot of the creation myths you can take a little more literally because of the fact that Agra is there, and it, it makes me feel like a lot of it is a literal oral history. Mm. Uh, it, it could be part of it could be lessons and things like that. Like the whole thing about the um, mother, the, the guffling mother who got the wings and why women have wings now that almost seems like a sort of allegory, but at the same time, you have to wonder because Agra was the one who gave her the wings. So it's one of those things where it's like it could almost be an actual oral history, an actual legend that did happen because they have the avatar of Thra there living with them, even if they've pretty much forgotten her at this point, which seems to be a theme too. It's like they forget who Agra actually is, that she mm. was the one who uplifted the Gelfling in the first place. So I, it, it's it's kind of a hard thing to figure out if it's allegory or if it's actual truth. And um, it's kind of like how I feel about urban legends today. You know, <laughs> was there something that really did happen like that? Or is it just something that's been passed down and now it's just a legend? Who knows? It's kind of a really cool thing about this universe. Yeah, it adds an extra layer of um, how things can be interpreted. And like, for example, what I kind of see, you know, the first Dark Crystal film as, for example, is um, is that it was like Jim went to Thra and he like absorbed everything, and then he came back and he made he and he put on like a puppet-based production of what he saw. So um, I've always felt like, mm. and so yeah, and and what that does is it does a couple things. One, it it deepens the possibility of how things may 
like again this is what i feel like age of resistance really has the chance to do with because it's it's made in such a later time that it has the chance of like combining all of these um you know i i think the challenge really will be to have someone approach it and be like let's de depict what was actually there like take away any lens of like oh this is a book or this is a, a film and just to have us actually feel like we're seeing what it is and and i think jm and I love the film so dearly, but I think JM in how he he puts he, he puts his story together, I feel like it's the closest I've come to sort of feeling like that that's directly what's happening instead of um like an, like because again possibly because it's so tied into the imagination because when you're reading you're it's basically mind's eye cinema you know um so but yeah with 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 that like and that's one layer and the other layer is that within the lore itself that things could be you know uh told in a different way and like and people could you know what is it the best stories are are have are like are embellished and that they are there's a variance between the tellings and i i love that like again it, the the world of thrower is as is as like as broadly expansive and like detailed and um you know colorful and vibrant on its own but then you add that extra variability of like between different tellings it's like that's so so um, um engrossing and like inspiring you know yeah absolutely and and so i guess yeah i mean at the end of the chapter Chapter, chapter four, um, they are then caught up with Mithra, and uh, yeah, and as they sort of head back to to Ryan's family home uh, for supper, and I think we'll have to uh, wrap up with this episode of the Gathering Songs. Um, you know, there was a lot of discussions that we went into with the Song of the Dark Crystal, with you know introductions of the show, because I mean this show is sort of a reintroduction of this new podcast, and so I just want to say. Um, uh, to Albert, to Dom, to Nancy, I want to say thank you so much for being on the show. Um, but before we go, I would like to ask um, each and every one of you um, how how people can find more of uh, your work or what you you know doing and whatnot. So I'll start with you, Albert. How can people find you? Sure. So we have the main page, which is facebook.com forward slash interactive artistry. Um, but more than that, we're sort of um, like our network really is kind of uh, very much sort of um, um, housed in Instagram. So uh, you're looking at instagram.com forward slash and then we've got pretty much all of our names just as they are. So um, so for Death Stranding, so instagram.com forward slash interactive artistry and you'll find everything from there. And yeah, the whole basic um, kind of the sort of uh, the sort of premise of what we do is we um, showcase and um, celebrate and discuss like creators who are on the forefront of adding emotional, psychological, spiritual, uh, intellectual, and like um, philosophical um, depth, um, dimension, and maturity to the interactive medium, also known as games. Like it's very often just like the Dark Crystal. That's how we even connected you and I, Phil. It, it tends to sometimes have these uh, stigmas of of like oh well you know either cult film status or anything, or that there's just these layers to it that aren't widely appreciated. And I sort of have devoted um, the channel to sort of giving voice to these beautiful nuanced like um uh sort of um yeah like uh, uh, yeah like uh, um in you know detailed and um uh, diverse aspects and and um, and enriching aspects to this medium um and um as you've probably got a hint of in the episode like uh you know with this one here how we did songs um song of the dark crystal uh i i can't help but like appreciate like um um, the sort of the, the yeah just the symbology etymology nomenclature like we dive into all of that um, in these very long format podcasts which Phil had a, had a great um, uh, patience and um, and endurance for because we go like two three hours we go all the way into that kind of discussions and um, so you can find us yeah instagram.com forward slash um, interactive artistry excellent and I'll put those uh, links on the show notes and uh, Dominic I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show um, and how can people find you oh thanks for having me it was, pl it was a pleasure I 
uh, find me in a few places. Nardy Views is my my main website for any of the sci-fi fantasy type work that I do, including an article about the political institutions in Lord of the Rings, and I use a game theoretic model. So if you really want to geek out, uh, you can find some cool stuff there. Um, I occasionally join, um, uh, do stuff with the Mythgard Academy, which I've mentioned before. And they, they, they launched a new initiative called the Mythgard Movie Club, where we watch one movie every month and then comment, do a commentary discussion on it. And um, I've joined them for a few of their, uh, their um, movies. I'll probably do a few more in the future. Um, and if anybody is in the United States, there's also a, a Mythgard Academy, um, uh, basically a meetup coming up later this summer. And I might be presenting a paper on Dune, if there are any Dune fans out there. Oh, you tease. Okay, so I'm I'm announcing it here. Me and Dom are starting the Dune podcast now. I'm gonna... Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, quickly, I need to I need to get... Uh, okay, actually, you know what? We have to throw it... I know, yeah. right? <laughs> no, I'll throw, I'll, throw it to Na- I'll throw it to Nancy. Go, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, my website is nancygray.net. My blog address is nancygray.blogspot.com. And on Facebook, uh, my name is writer Nancy Gray. And those are typically the best uh, ways to contact me. Just finished uh, Blood God, which is the last book of my Blood Rain series, which is young adult fantasy. And currently I'm working on something that it's a working title. I'm calling the Spine Chiller series, and it's basically a mid-grade horror, similar in some respects to Goosebumps, but not 100%. And the first book is called Scarecrow. Um, that sounds incredible, and I love Goosebumps. And if Netflix, if you're listening, you need to option this latest work. That sounds, or even without reading it, that sounds so cool. I feel hopeful about it. I've got, actually got an artist to do the um the first five um, covers for the first five books, Madeline McLeod. She does really good fan- dark fantasy kind of art, and I really like her. So um, we should be coming up uh, probably in October. I'm going to be marketing that. And, um, oh, with, with Halloween. Amazing. Yeah, oh, nice. that's, that's what I'm going for. Uh, <laughs> might be September because the first uh, book is more like a harvest season sort of thing and not actual Halloween. Uh, Blood, the Blood Rain series I've been working on a long time. Actually, uh, J.M. Lee did the cover art for my uh, Blood Rain series. Okay, this so, is too great. The love is real. So, yeah. The love yeah. is real. <laughs> so, um, yeah. If anyone's interested in young adult fantasy, that series is complete, and um, I really enjoyed doing it, and I've gotten some good reviews about it. Um, it's kind of like, um, basically, it follows the journey of a young girl who's trying to uncover the truth about this unnatural storm that rains blood in her village, and her enemies, the bat-like blood wings, basically go into a blood frenzy. And she's forced to befriend potential enemies, spies, even one of the blood wings themselves to uncover the truth. Oh God, I'm just seeing this already on Netflix somehow as like, you know, they just did Castlevania, right? Castlevania, yeah. Mm, yeah. Oh, okay, Dom. Yeah, you go. I mean, how great, like, it's raining blood in that one, and I immediately see this in, in my yes. mind's eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> If you if you're interested, it's on Amazon in print and um, in ebook form. 
if you want to read it, please read it. Give me some sort of review on Amazon, and I would be very, very grateful. Uh, yeah. I'm on it. I'll read them all. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very, Absolutely. it's a very hard market to break into, but <laughs> I, I really enjoyed writing those books, and it was really nice of Joey to do the art. I mean, you know, we he gave me this great. He he was very good about it. I love his artwork. Mm-hmm. yeah no he does great stuff yeah and so yeah we'll definitely put those links up in the show notes and um yeah so i think that'll wrap up and i just want to say every every one of you just um dom nancy and albert just thank you so much for being on the show as we um certainly look forward to chatting more dark crystal with song of the dark crystal yeah let's do it thank you definitely thank you yes it was a lot of fun thanks man always fun you already taken too long delfling hurry at last, the crystal calls. It is time. Time to return to the castle. The crystal calls! To the crystal chamber! If you'd like to contact the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. To find us on Facebook, you can do so at facebook.com forward slash Dark Crystal Podcast. We're also on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash Dark Crystal Podcast. You can tweet at us at Dark Crystal Pod. Also, if you get a chance to review the show, whether on iTunes or Facebook, that'd be fantastic as well, as that'll boost the rankings. Thank you all so much, and come back next month for more the gathering songs to the only Blade Runner podcast in existence. From in-depth discussions about characters to interviews with actors and filmmakers involved in the process, Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast, covers a multitude of topics spanning both Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049.